Good morning, brothers and sisters. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I am Mark Hedegar, and I'm blessed, honored, and humbled to be the pastor at Stratford Salisbury Center in Middleville United Methodist Churches, where we what? We expect miracles, we recognize miracles, and we celebrate those miracles together. Praise God. The only announcement I have is uh, that we've had a lot of people join our churches in the last uh, couple months. We've had a couple baptisms, and um, I'm really excited. I, I, I guess that's an announcement. I'm just really excited about what God's doing and how the Holy Spirit is touching people's hearts. So, um, praise God. This morning's memory verse comes from Hebrews 9.15. Hebrews 9.15, it reads, For this reason... He, Jesus, of course, is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, because a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions under the first covenant. Let us pray. Father God, bless our lives, sanctify sanctify us, and in your way grant us our heart's desire. Anoint us with your grace that what we desire is also what you desire. Help us to understand that our heart's true desire is the love of you. May the love of Christ urge us on. May we walk by faith. Thank you, God, for all our blessings. Father God, bless those who govern. Bless the leaders of nations, countries, towns, and cities. And those who lead in all manner, social, political, and religious, bless us all. Fill the hearts of all with your wisdom. Guide us in the way of justice and integrity for all. Guide us to walk by faith. Holy God, tend to those who suffer in mind, body, and spirit. Tend to the tired, the dying, the poor, and the hungry. Help us to follow the love of Christ, a love which urges us on. Help us to seek and serve Christ and others, bringing forth a new creation. Father God, we ask all this in the name of Christ, our Redeemer. Father God, we ask all this by the Holy Spirit who activates your love in us. Father God, we ask all this that your love may be like seed scattered, manifesting in small and unexpected ways the greatness of you. May your love take root in our lives, and may we walk by faith. Amen. Please join me this morning with a call to worship. God is here. The creator of the universe is with us. So we will dance. God is here. God is on the move. So we will dance so that our children can see what we do when God is on the move. Our backs are against the wall, but God is on our side. So we will dance with all our might. After all that we've been through, we still have joy. So we will dance with great abandon. We are a dancing people. Dancing in all seasons of life is in our very DNA. So let's dance our truth. We will dance in our homes. We will dance in our communities. We will dance in our churches. We will dance together. We will dance. Oh, praise God. This morning's Lady Scripture comes from Hebrews 9, 24 through 28. Hebrews 9, 24 through 28. It reads, For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made by human hands, a mere copy of the true one, but he entered into heaven itself, 
now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself again and again as the high priest enters a holy place year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have, he would have had to suffer again and again since the foundation of the world. But, that, but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for mortals to die once and after that the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We move to joys and concerns, and um, I hope you have a lot of joys out there. Well, you know, we, I preached one time on we find what we look for, right? So I hope each day, throughout the day, that you're looking for joys, and then you just shout them out to the Lord and tell Him, you know, thank you for the birds, the sunset. Lately, we should be thanking Him for any amount of sunshine that breaks through those clouds with all this rain we've been receiving. Um, of course, we do have a lot of concerns as well. People that are sick, people that are lonely, uh, people that have addictions, uh, towns and cities that have been devastated recently. Uh, Westernville, where I'm from, of course, the, the village is pretty much destroyed. But we find joy in people working together. We find joy in communities across the nation that are praying for that little town, reminding us that... Uh, that we're not alone, that we're in this together. So uh, this morning as I pray, again, I would just encourage you to, to speak your joys out, speak your concerns out, give them to the Lord. Let us pray. Most holy God, we're a people who need you in your fullness as creative father, as redeeming son, as sustaining spirit. Our lives have complications and pain. Our world has war and despair, but we were made in your image and your spirit was breathed into us that we might experience hope in your goodness. There are situations that make it hard to be aware of that goodness. We pray now for those whose lives are affected by the negativity in these circumstances. When bombs and terrorists and military attacks kill and injure innocent people around the world, when storms and hurricanes and tornadoes are so strong they destroy even the homes designed to withstand them. When political battles bring out pettiness over issues too important for bickering. When our hearts ache, hurt by broken relationships and unmet expectations. When we are exhausted emotionally from illnesses in ourselves or those we love when we are overwhelmed by loneliness and isolation, even though you are always with us. Gracious and merciful Lord, our church is working to hear the words of your spirit. Our desire is to learn what and who you are calling us to be in your world. We call out to you that we might have the courage to give to you whatever burdens we entered with today, so that our hearts and minds can be open to you, to your word, into your spirit, the same life-giving breath from the first of creation. Christ challenges us to know you, God, 
as one who would search us out if we are lost. But we must also know that when we are not the one, we are members of the 99 waiting together for your guidance. So it is together that we use our breath to pray the words Christ taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The title to this morning's message is The Covenant. The Covenant. Last week we talked about the importance of being unified as a church body. We agreed the Holy Spirit blesses congregation with gifts to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We acknowledge that God doesn't give us the gifts of the Spirit so we can retreat from others to enjoy the blessings of God alone. We also agreed that the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit are to benefit the whole church. We read Ephesians 4, 15 through 16. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. But how will a body grow if we don't show up on Sunday? Including the next service, the second service uh, today, uh, we've had at least 10 people baptized or, or join our local churches recently. And as I performed the services, I realized a mistake I had made years ago. I've made plenty since then, but in this one area, it was years ago. Most of you may have heard that I walked away from the church for about five years. I didn't think I needed to attend church to be saved or, or to be a Christian, so I decided that fishing would replace my Sunday morning worship. Now, I still read the Bible, and we even took Bibles fishing and had some great discussions. But I was missing something. I was missing coming together with the body, the church body, and worshiping together. It also meant I wasn't in church to hear the concerns of my brothers and sisters. So that meant that I didn't pray for those that were sick or in need. And of course, it meant that I wasn't given any money to help support the church's ministries. In other words, I was a loner. I forgot Romans 12, 4 through 6 says, For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given us. But something else hit me over the past couple of months. I forgot that I made a covenant with God when I became a member of the denomination and my local church. The same covenant that all of you or most of you also made. That's what I want to talk about today. So first of all, let's define what a covenant is. At its most basic level, a covenant is an oath-bound relationship between two or more parties. It is an oath-bound relationship 
between two or more parties. Human covenants, like marriage, fall under this general definition. But in the Old Testament, a covenant involved a life or death agreement between two parties. If two men wanted to make a covenant, they would slice animals in half and walk between the carcasses. This would signify that if either one of them didn't hold up their end of the deal, that what happened to the animals would happen to them. Fortunately for us today, we don't have to make such severe covenants. In divine covenants, God sovereignly establishes the relationship with his creation. In the Old Testament, or the Old Covenant, God made covenants with Noah, Abraham, Moses, and, and David, just to mention a few. And those covenants obviously were made before Jesus came to earth. In Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-one, we read, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. That new covenant, of course, was with and through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.15 tells us Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, because a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions under the first covenant. So we see covenants between God and his people, as well as between God and the nation of Israel. We also see covenants between people. But what about us? What about us? What covenant, what covenant or covenants have we made? Individuals being baptized make a covenant to serve Jesus Christ as their Lord in union with the church. Parents or sponsors make a covenant to nurture the children in Christ's holy church and teach them by their example and help them to lead a Christian life. How many times have we seen people come to the church to have their babies baptized and then we never see them again? They baptize their babies because they wrongly believe that the baptism will secure the child a place in heaven. Well, we know that's not true. Each of us must personally and individually make the decision to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. Then, and only then, are we saved. So basically, they just repeat the words needed for the baptism. But technically, they're breaking a covenant with God. Now imagine if they had to make that same covenant by passing between two halves of an animal, knowing breaking the covenant would result in their death. My guess is they would come back to church. Then we have adults being baptized. Adults make a covenant to remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and to serve as Christ's representatives to the world. Now, how can we be called his representatives if we don't show love and grace to our neighbors or if we refuse to forgive them? We can't be representatives of Christ if we're always backbiting or judging or condemning or even talking down to others. Jesus commands us to love and then to show others that we are Christians by that love. As a congregation, we are asked, will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include these persons now before you in your care? We all responded by promising this. We said, with God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. 
We will surround these persons with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their trust of God and be found faithful in their service to others. We said we will pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. Wow! How do you think we live up to this covenant? How do you think we're doing? I know I failed, and I really didn't I didn't realize it until these last couple baptisms and, and when we did the service for people joining our local churches. And then it hit me. See, the problem is we just respond as we're told. We don't emphasize the importance of keeping this covenant. What a difference our church would make within these walls and outside these walls if we truly surrounded these persons with a community of love and forgiveness. I mentioned last week that we, the church as a whole, have created a hostile environment. I'm talking worldwide, not just our local churches. I pointed out that many members in our communities view us as judgmental holy rollers who think we are more than we are. How much growth will we see as long as they believe that? We need to be a church of love and forgiveness to all we encounter, whether they come to our church or not. But in this case, of course, we're making a covenant concerning those being baptized. Then when we are received into the church, we make a covenant to be loyal to Christ through the United Methodist Church and do all in our power to strengthen its ministries and to faithfully participate in its ministries by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Now, I don't see fishing as one of those choices, but for five years, that's where you could find me on a lake. Maybe, just maybe, it would have made a difference if someone reminded me that I promised to be present and that I promised to participate in the church ministries. But we don't tend to really hold each other accountable, do we? Then as a congregation, as the body, uh, we make the same promise to renew our covenant faithfully, to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Well, how do you think we're doing in this area, both as individuals and as a church body? I think many times we become complacent and we just recite words without understanding the significance of them. It's like the Lord's Prayer. Now, some of you have asked me to include it in my weekly message, but I prefer not to. The reason is we can become dull or insensitive to the words, to the meaning, to the very significance. I used to recite the Lord's Prayer every time I got in my vehicle. I said it so often, I could say it a hundred miles an hour. You see, it became more of a habit than a prayer. But now I say it less often but with more meaning and more appreciation for the prayer itself. And I especially love being reminded that I'm asking for my sins to be forgiven just as I forgive those who sin against me. How can I expect or even ask for forgiveness if I refuse to forgive others? So my whole point is this. I was guilty of not understanding those vows were a covenant and I didn't take them seriously. I would guess many here today 
have made that same mistake. But as the Bible says, how would we know if we're not taught? My prayer this week is that each of us reread those covenant vows we took and continue to take, and that we work harder to be obedient to them. We need to remember, we renewed our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So what does that mean for each of us? It means that first of all, we need to come to church. Then we need to use our talents God blessed us with and participate in the ministries of the church, whether it's Bible studies, outreach, reading scripture on Sunday, bake sales, rummage sales, visiting the sick and lonely, whatever ministry your church might have. You see, when one part of the body fails to perform, the whole body suffers. So I ask that you start with prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you the gifts you've received, and then ask how to best use them to glorify God. Can you imagine the difference we'd all make in the church? Can you imagine the growth that would result? I can. And I have faith that God will bless us as individuals and a congregation if we learn to become more obedient to these covenants we made as we renew them each time. Let us pray. Father God, as followers of Jesus Christ living in this world, which some seek to control, but which others view with despair, we declare with joy and trust our world belongs to you. From the beginning, through all the crisis of our times until your kingdom finally comes, you keep covenant forever. Our world belongs to you. You are king. Let the earth be glad. Christ is our victor. His rule has begun. Has begun. Hallelujah. The Spirit is at work renewing creation. Praise the Lord. We rejoice in the goodness of you, Father God, renouncing the works of darkness and dedicate ourselves to holy living. As covenant partners, called to faithful obedience and set free for joyful praise, we offer our hearts and lives to do your work in your world. With tempered impatience, eager to see injustice ended, we expect the day of the Lord. And we are confident that the light which shines in the present darkness will fill the earth when Christ appears. Come, Lord Jesus, our world belongs to you. Amen. God offers us his hospitality and lovingly welcomes us into his family. He invites us to share in the abundance of his kingdom. God has shown us that providing hospitality to strangers opens a doorway into the kingdom of God. When we offer hospitality to others, we are receiving Christ into our midst and so fulfilling the law of love. We move to our offering this morning and once again, I say thank you, thank you, thank you. You all are such a blessing to these churches. I, Well done, good and faithful servants. Well done. Let us pray. Mighty and all-knowing God who sees us as we are and as we might be, what offering can we give that will bring you joy? We brought gifts this morning that you might dedicate them to the work of caring and compassion in our neighborhoods, in our nations, and throughout the world. Yet all the money we have 
can accomplish what you can make happen if we simply let Christ dwell in our hearts, not for an hour on Sunday, but every hour of every day. This is the offering we dedicate this day. In Christ our Redeemer, we pray. Amen. We leave this place no longer strangers, but members of God's own family, brothers and sisters through the blood of Jesus Christ. Together we are being built into a holy dwelling place where God lives by the Spirit. So go out with joy and confidence to love and serve the world. For we, thank God, do not go alone. Now receive the benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling, and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority, before all time, and now, and forever. Amen. Until we meet again, brothers and sisters, may God bless and keep each and every one of you. Please stay safe and stay in his word. God bless.